love, that ever-flowing liquid fire of life, ever-expanding and illuminating truth, which is always revealed with wisdom, a spiritual nutrient necessary for vitality that is maintained through selflessness, a filter of ether that aids purity, which is love. Love, a limitless paper lantern floating into infinity on the intentions and actions of initiates of the mysteries. Okay, uh, welcome everybody. We have a special guest today. We have Mantra with us. Uh, Mantra, how you doing, bro? Very well, thank you. Very well. Awesome, man. Um, so, I like to start things off by expressing gratitude. Um, what are you grateful for today, brother? Um, I'm grateful for many things. One of them is community. Um, I keep getting reminded in life uh, how difficult it is to do things you're on and actually the love and support of other people um, is absolutely around for anybody that wants to achieve anything of any significance in life um, so yeah online communities people that we're meeting and connecting with on YouTube and Instagram and places like that people like yourself as well as people at home um, just giving us inspiration and support on this path in life awesome man yeah um it is so surreal to be able to connect like this i've been uh, a loner a lot large portion of my life dude so it's nice to kind of have that connection now and like actually realize how much stronger i am with the help of other people and being able to help other people absolutely absolutely yeah, yeah. cool man um Next thing I normally do is express some quotes. I'd ask you to drop some quotes on us uh, that move you. If you could throw some out there and explain what they mean to you. Absolutely. I'll just find one here. It's, um, <clears throat> this is from an author called Victor Frank, who was a psychologist or psychiatrist, I forget which, who was in um, concentration camps during the Second World War. And he's written about his experiences to quite a sort of profound depth of understanding. <clears throat> This one um, just completely turned my life around quite a few years ago. He says, Woe to him who saw no more sense in life, no aim, no purpose, therefore no point in carrying on. He was soon lost. What was needed was a fundamental change in our attitude toward life. We had to learn ourselves and furthermore, we had to teach the despairing men that it did not really matter what we expected from life, but rather what life expected from us. We need to stop asking about the meaning of life and we need to think of ourselves as those who were being questioned by life hourly and daily. Our answer must consist not in talk and meditation, but in right action and right conduct. Life ultimately means taking the responsibility to find the right answer the problems and to fulfill the task which it constantly sets for each individual wow man that's so powerful and very true in my experience granted i haven't had his experiences but there's so much truth in that absolutely yeah i found i read that at a point when i was kind of like just trying to explore the meaning of life um 
even though he says in that quote that we shouldn't really be looking for the meaning of life. I mean, if we want to look at it that way, I'm sure there's lots of holes you can pick in what he's saying. But the general in order to be successful in life, you need to flip all of your preconceptions about it on their head. And actually, from the point of view of us being in our egos, we always feel entitled to something. Um, and that's the source of all of our pain and frustration. It's this sense of entitlement of wanting to be God or being the centre of everything. It's constantly thwarted by the kind of realisation that we're not. <laughs> mm-hmm. And as stubborn as we are, we, try, we still try and pursue that avenue. But um, when I was starting you know, to kind of investigate things like philosophy, um, reading that quote was just, you know, just absolutely mind-blowing because I suddenly realised I had to completely reevaluate everything that I thought I knew and everything that I'd been taught and the way that everyone acted, whether they were teachers, parents, whoever. Mm-hmm. That wasn't necessarily the only way you can act, you know, and it just opens a whole new spectrum of possibilities which I thought was just fantastic. And it, it completely alleviates so much suffering in one stroke by taking yourself out of the centre and putting other people first, which I thought was really, really powerful. No, I completely resonate with that too, man. I used to uh, run so, so, so much on self-will and thinking I was a centre and trying to have everything constructed my way or try to make everything my way. That's a very miserable way to live. <laughs> because we don't have the we don't have the potency or the capacity to do it. So you're always mm. losing battle. You know, we we want everybody completely centered and focused around us, and yet everybody else wants that as well. So we're always just we're just fighting against the tide. There's like seven billion people in the world, all trying to basically achieve the same thing, which is to get everybody else to serve them, and it's just the manipulation going on uh, our potency in this world is so minute what we're capable of achieving is on a kind of cosmic scale is pathetic really you know oh yeah absolutely far easier to surrender to, to what is than to to try and create what you want no i mean most of my most of the the I want to say power, but that may, may not be the appropriate word. But most of my ability came after I admitted powerlessness and surrendered to, to life and to the fact that I don't know everything. I, I'm not the center of the universe and all this kind of... My life changed so much after that. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a great quote. I actually made a video about it on our, our YouTube channel recently. I kind of went public with the project that we're doing, which I guess we'll probably talk about a little bit. But... Um, the support that we got and the encouragement and inspiration was so overwhelming. And it put into perspective another kind of phrase that I've heard, which was um, that God is the strength of the weak. And I always thought that was really strange. That the strength of the weak kind of makes this sort of supreme, absolute truth sound quite pathetic because the weak don't have any strength, you know. But actually, it's when you admit your weakness that's when you suddenly allow the support of all the people around you, you know, this divine force that's permeating everything. You have community, like we were saying at the start, 
if, if only you admit your weakness. If you don't admit your weakness, all you have is your own strength, which alone is pathetic, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, absolutely. Just um, surrendering to this power and admitting that we don't have all the answers just opens up so many possibilities in life. It's, it's truly magical. Yeah, absolutely. Then you're no longer like the uh, director in the in the quote unquote play of life. You're an actor, and you can move about things so much easier. Like you're not burdened with uh, the the responsibility of trying to direct every situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an immense undertaking. Yeah, yeah, completely. It's it's uh, it's um, a losing battle, really. It's just um, it drives people mad, and even people that seem successful they're only successful within a very small sphere of influence you know even powerful businessmen or politicians they can do so much but they can't change the way the business around the sun mm -hmm. so they, they may seem like they kind of got it all together and that they're actually very powerful and influential but in the grand scheme of things their their powers um minute I heard this uh, quote recently. I'd heard it a while ago, but it's by Terence McKenna. And he talks about how nobody's in control, not even the people that, are, that a lot of people think are in power. And he's like, what, an, what a burden that must be to try to control things on the scale that they're trying to do it. They have to be so miserable and anxious. And <laughs> Completely. Yeah, it's... I'm sorry, sorry. No, it's all good, man. Uh, the only way that you can do it as well is through lies and deceit and underhandedness. They're not, it's, they're not able to do it through... I mean, today, actually, is um, in, uh, in certain traditions, it's celebrated today as the appearance of Lord Ram, who was a divine incarnation who came to, to illustrate to people what a perfect son, a perfect husband, uh, a king was like. And he actually ruled through piety. So this guy was so, this character, this personality was so pious. Um, and um, his spirituality, well, his spirituality was absolute. But yeah, his consciousness was at such a level that that's how he ruled. That's how he ruled. He was, he was harmonious with the purpose of creation. But now all this is lost. And the people that are trying to manipulate the world have to do, through, do so through very kind of underhand methods, which just doesn't make for a happy life. No, not for them and not for the people under them. I, I once heard it said that the tr true definition or a true leader is one that builds other leaders, not followers. I think that's so valid. Absolutely, absolutely. There's also a nice, um, uh, very nice part of the Tao Te Ching from China, um, which says that a true leader achieves great things and afterwards has the people saying, hey, what we did. <laughs> <laughs> way of um of looking at it you know again it's something that just flips popular convention on its head 100 percent. actually you know a true leader leads from the back or from the front but doesn't want the credit um leads by example but mm -hmm. actually, um they're not leading for selfish purposes they're leading as a service to others yeah the Tao is an amazing book i read it for the first time around um october november I was just floored by all the like the riddles and all the duality of things, but how much thought it provokes when like you start getting into the like the meat of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I found as well it's like um it's quite a funny book, you know. There's been many times that I've picked it up. Like sometimes spiritual philosophy can be quite heavy, which is great because it's, you know, 
like you say, you kind of get into the meat of things and you have to answer these questions. You can't beat around the bush. But so many times I've picked up the Tao Te Ching and just fall about laughing, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. I've definitely had those experiences. Like, I was like, I think I understand the Tao that I read something. It's like, if you if you think you understand the Tao, you're a fool or something like that. And I'm like, oh, you got me again. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it even says in there that um, uh, like some people poke fun at the Tao. And that's okay. Because if people didn't laugh, it wouldn't be the Tao, you know? And I remember thinking, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, you know? It really does make a lot of sense. And just mm-hmm. the ridiculousness of the situation that we find ourselves in, how simple the answer is and how complicated we make it. And when you read a book like that, you think, wow, actually, the, um, the answers that we're looking for are so simple. So simple that we actually miss them, you know, because we're looking for something way more complex than that. So that's, that sums up about all, all my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the only one that can say that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, won't be the first or the last to say yeah, that, yeah. probably. Um, would you mind explaining, like, who you are, outs- or who you are and, like, what you do? Um, yeah, I'm, um, my name's Mantra. Well, my full name would be Mantra Chaitanya Das. Um, that means mantra is a sound... Uh, uh, our mind from illusion and chaitanya it means the living force the supreme consciousness um and das means that you're a servant so my name means that i'm the servant of the mantra of the living force of the supreme person so that's uh, my name i don't live up to it <laughs> i'm trying <laughs> it's, like, it's, um, it's like an aspirational title but um that's um Actually, the more I meditate on my name, the more humbled I am at how much work I have to do. But, but that's my name. Um, today, I'm a gardener. That's my day job, um, which I do kind of like half the week. And the rest of the time, my wife and I make YouTube videos and write a blog about our spiritual journey. We, um, we got married about a year ago, and we moved. Um, we were both living in different towns, actually. And then when we kind of like, Together, we decided to move to somewhere completely new and we wanted to try and see if we could meet life and start a community based on spiritual values. So, our spiritual teacher um, suggested that we come to the place that we're in now, which is Canterbury in the UK. So, we kind of packed our bags and moved there. And while we were here, we thought, hey, you know, YouTube is such a great platform for sharing and connecting. And why not try and meet like-minded souls, you know, all across the world? If we have this facility of the internet at our disposal, why limit ourselves to just one town? So we've kind of started making um, videos. We're basically vlogging as well as sharing uh, once a week some like some videos to go a bit deeper into the philosophy of yoga and spirituality and like that. No, that's awesome, man. I've enjoyed what I've seen in your stuff, man. I'm so busy. I don't get a chance to check it out all the time. I'm sure you know how it is where there's so much that you want to explore or check out, but time's so finite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've actually had to sit down and just kind of like go through who we're subscribed to on YouTube and go, you know what? I can't watch them every day. I can't watch that every day. You know, because we just, uh, just don't have the time, man. Especially when you're trying to create. If you're not just a consumer, 
but you're a creator as well. You know, like you're doing your podcast and your Instagram and all this thing. You really have to set some time to make sure you're putting out good. Yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's so fulfilling and being able to create that and then have people resonate with like what you're projecting. And I'm sure that you get that as well, man. Uh, man, I, we literally can't keep up with all the messages that, that get comments, messages, DMs, tweets. Like it's just, I feel bad because I must be leaving so many people hanging, you know, <laughs> that have sent really nice messages. But yeah, it's, it's just really far out that you just hit, you make a video, you upload it and you hit publish. And you tell a few people about it and then suddenly you just got you know we're changing each other's lives you know not just us but the people that get in touch with us they're changing our lives as well um and it's so simple so so simple you know just to express how you feel mm-hmm. uh, and share some ideas and do it in a nice mood of service and you know the ripple effect is just phenomenal yeah no, I've, that's even what started this for me was the ripple effect of somebody else doing something similar and them believing in me to start doing it and putting myself out there. I think culturally, we're kind of told to keep quiet and not express this kind of stuff. It's like, go make a video of somebody get kicked in the genitals or something like that. Like, <laughs> people want to watch that. Like, but this kind of stuff resonates with people so much more and more, it seems like. Yeah, there's a massive shift. There's, there's, it's, you think there's two things going on like on the one hand you know society's going to the dogs and the people that run everything are just completely insane and debauched and debased and whatever and so many people seem to be quite apathetic about what's going on and whilst all of this is kind of like going down gentlemanly kind of chivalrous conduct doesn't even exist even in like business or anything like that and at the same time there's this kind of like huge rise in people that are just going, do you know what? There just has to be more than mm-hmm. getting fed. And people that feel like they've been spun a bit of a lie and bought it, and they actually, no, no, what I've, you know, they're kind of waking up to the fact that you don't really have to buy into this kind of paradigm that we've been fed. And which we've wanted as well, actually. You know, we've created that as well. Yeah, everybody's complicit in it. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the universe is balancing, it's balancing itself out. And then, like, if you look in nature or in my personal life, even, and I'm sure other people can resonate with this too, things have to get really bad sometimes before there can actually be enough change for the 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 better um, the better direction to come about. Uh huh. Uh huh. So, in uh, Vedic scriptures from India, it says that before you can actually start to approach the um, you have to become completely disgusted with materialism. Completely. Mm-hmm. And when people get to that stage, if you've got a tinge of like, you're thinking, actually, no, you know, a big house and a beautiful wife and a fast car would make me pretty happy, actually. That doesn't cut it, man. You know, you have to be really fried out. And I think as a society, or, or there's a large portion of society that is really getting to that point, or, it, or they've already gotten to that point where they've just had enough of what, society has to offer mm-hmm. um and they're and they're ripe it's a fertile ground for genuine spiritual knowledge to be propagated very exciting time i'm sure in a thousand years or even a hundred years people will look back at this kind of and think wow god it was you know a real real special time mm-hmm. no i i could definitely see that man it it is a really cool time to be alive. And there were so many times growing up where I felt like I was in the wrong time. 
And it was leading to this moment, I feel like, more so. It's kind yeah, of like... I, I, I had the same feeling, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, did you feel that you were different than others when you were growing up? Um, I didn't when I was growing up, but I think it's it's one of those things that you can look back and, like, I was kind of meditating on this today, actually, while I was working. And I thought the whole time I was growing up, I just thought I was another normal kid. And, you know, I was just doing what kids do. Um, I think by the time I got to, like, teenage, um, that's kind of like teenage rebellion phase, um, I kind of took that a lot further than a lot of my friends. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, without going into too much detail. But, yeah, I kind of took that a lot further. And I kind of... I. I do remember kind of thinking there was a lot of hypocrisy that a lot of, well, what I perceived at the time to be hypocrisy anyway. Um, I've got a more mature understanding of it now. I definitely felt like a lot of my friends um, during my teenage period, like they kind of liked to rebel and they didn't, they were like sticking two fingers up to the system. But then they all like went to university and got jobs and, you know, like, I was like, yeah, but aren't we supposed to be fighting that, you know, like, or aren't we supposed to be finding a way around that? Um, But yeah, no, I think it's only looking back now, really, that I I sort of think, yeah, I can see actually that I I just couldn't, I just couldn't fit into this box that I was trying to be put into um, the whole time, you know, from, from birth, really. I mean, I actually came out of the womb. Um, or I, I was born by cesarean section, I think. But my mum said the nurses that um, that helped her give birth, they they'd never seen a child that fought so much. <laughs> I was kicking, screaming. I was like, I was just so, you know, I just did not want to be there, man. I was just not having it. <laughs> I was just not having it at all. And they said they'd never seen anything like it. So that kind of like set the tone for the next 30 years of my life, pretty much. <laughs> That's kind of a good spirit to have, though, man. Like a fighter straight from straight from birth, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. And just a general, like, um, I've never really been afraid. I suppose, yeah, I've I've kind of never been afraid to, you know, reject what's put in front of me if if I think there's something better on offer. You know, I I sort of don't. Um, what's the word? I don't conform very easily. But that kind of has its flip side as well. That I can be quite stubborn in my own you know, my own illusion. I can, I can say, <laughs> I can dig my feet in to the ground, you know? Um, so it kind of works both ways, but yeah, certainly it's played, that's played me, um, that's played a massive role in my life, that attitude for sure. Yeah. I can relate to being a nonconformist and, uh, being a very strong opinion and both the positive elements of it and the downsides of it. <laughs> completely, completely. If we're not sure how to use these qualities properly and we're not skilled in how to, you know, kind of use these things for a good purpose. You just kind of get thrown around by them. And um, yeah, yeah, life can be tough. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of like um, like sharpening a blade or refining a rough edge or something like that too. You kind of have to grind it against those rough times to smooth it out so that you can use it to its ultimate purpose or whatever. Absolutely, absolutely. That's a really good way of putting it actually. Yeah, for sure. Um, next question I got, it's kind of a fun one to, to break up some of those ones. Um, what superpowers do you possess or what superpower would you want? <laughs> um, what superpower? I mean, I'm, 
I, I genuinely feel like I'm devoid of any superpowers whatsoever. I feel um, if I could have a superpower, I think it would be humility would be my superpower. I think if I, or the or the ability to to give everybody else that as well as having myself. Oh, there you, you know, go. I think um, if we can have any superpower, then why not have that? You know, mm -hmm. I think that that ability to kind of invoke the humility of other people, whilst whilst maintaining it myself, able to uh, humble huge egos in a single bound. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've met people that can do that, and at the same time, not be hated. You know. Um, that really is a superpower. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, I think it is. But um, I think that would be my superpower. I think it would change so much, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely, man. Change so much. It would have to be full humility, though, because I've fallen in the trap of being like, I'm so much humbler than these people. They don't even know how to humble, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, the, the ego is so crafty, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. Uh, it would stop at nothing to um to kind of like take us off the path it really you, you really have to be so careful yeah my favorite one of my favorite quotes by alan watts is uh losing the ego is the biggest ego trip out there <laughs> yeah right okay <laughs> you ever listened to alan watts at all i haven't i i'm i see quotes from him online a lot but i i've, I've not listened to him I know that he was someone like when I was going to raves um, back in the day, he was someone that was really popular. Uh, I never got around to kind of investigating him. Yeah, I would I would check him out sometime, man. I think you might enjoy some of his stuff. He does like a lot of somewhat Taoist things and like how he has like these paradox riddles and stuff that he says. Okay, okay. He's very humorous to listen to, but it's also very philosophical and spiritual. Fantastic. Okay, I'll check him out. Yeah, brother. Right. Thanks. Oh, no worries, man. Um, what circumstances do you feel shaped your life? Yeah. What circumstances shaped my life? I, I mean, actually, obviously, everything is, is shaping us, and I think that's something that we're ignorant of quite a lot. That we often just put ourselves into into situations and circumstances, books we read. TV shows we watch, or we might just, just like flick the radio on for a little bit. I mean, we we don't really um, take into consideration how much how powerful these things are that we listen to, things that we hear, and things that we read. Um, for me, the thing that the quote that I read out at the start was actually something that I read out at my brother's funeral, and he he basically passed away at the age of about I think it was twenty nine. Um, so I would have been about 26. And for me, that was just like a total game changer, 100%. Um, he was like the typical older brother that he gave me. He was incredibly good looking. He was a model and a DJ. He was a very kind of hip, very charismatic guy. So he kind of gave me all of my music collection and my music taste, all of like, the, you know, I had all the cool clothes that I had came from him. I was kind of like, I kind of like idolized him and anything good that I had in my life was kind of like fed to me from him. And then he got really sick. And in this period of time when he was ill, he kind of went on his own journey of spiritual awakening. He tried politics because he wanted to change the world. He tried environmentalism. 
um, and you know, he studied different philosophies and he was kind of going along these different avenues of trying to discover the meaning of life. And none of these things worked. And eventually he turned to like meditation, spirituality. He studied all different world religions. Um, and he totally just transformed his consciousness. And I was in awe just watching him go from being this kind of like young and incredibly good looking, charismatic, very hedonistic individual to be to having kind of all of those qualities, but he was living on a boat in the middle of London on the River Thames with like hardly any possessions there. Um, and just like in total happiness, you know, surrounded by books about religion and spirituality and meditation and things like that. I was kind of in awe of that. And I was in the room with him when he passed away. I was in the hospital with him, which obviously is a powerful experience. Um, and it was going through his books and reading a lot of the books that he left behind where I found that. That's where I found the quote that I read out at the start. And that was a quote which he'd underlined in one of the books where, by Viktor Frankl that he'd read. Um, so that, obviously, I spent a lot of time kind of meditating on that paragraph because he'd particularly highlighted it in his book. And when we were clearing out his belongings um, after he'd passed away, his girlfriend handed me two books. And he'd studied the Bible, the Quran, the Tao Te Ching. He'd, you know, he'd been on Buddhist meditation retreats. He'd travelled to Africa, India. He just kind of, like... I don't know, he just like exploded, you know, and <laughs> just did everything he could. Everything that he studied, um, his girlfriend gave me two books and, and she said these were the ones that really needed really and helped him deal with the situation that he was in. And he never really seemed like a person that was ill. He never seemed like a person who was scared of dying. He didn't seem like somebody that was going through trauma. It actually made him stronger and deeper and happier. Um, I'm sure he did have a wobble now and again, but you know, generally speaking, that's what's And the two books that she gave me were the Upanishads and the Bhagavad Gita, which is of ancient India. So I kind of carried those books around a long time and never read them because they looked a bit too deep and heavy and like, I wasn't really into that sort of stuff. And then eventually I got pretty fried out with the music career that I'd undertaken and I didn't really like what I saw in the music industry. And at the same sort of time, I started getting into meditation and yoga and things like this. And I was going to different churches and Buddhist centers and retreats. And I don't know, just like investigating and hanging around with different people. And I ended up to try and learn about the Bhagavad Gita. I went to an ashram in Brighton where I lived. And there I ended up living for a few years. And that's where I met a lot of the people that are kind of like I'm on this path with now. Including my wife, actually, yeah. Wow, yeah. man. That sounds like such a, a journey. And your brother sounds like he was one interesting and a very powerful soul, man. Yeah, he really was. Like, it's, um, again, I made a YouTube video about that experience as well. And in that video, I said that it's, it's really easy to glorify people that have died or passed on or whatever you want to call it. Um, and sometimes I think we do it because it's like a, this desperate clinging on, like we're trying to compensate for a loss by exaggerating what we have left of them, which are like amazing characteristics. But I, I do genuinely feel with my brother, like he was, you know, he was spiritually quite an elevated person. And, you know, when he walked into a room, people's heads turned 
he had this kind of energy and aura about him, which was very powerful for sure. Um, so yeah, I feel quite privileged. You know, I don't really know who he is or where his journey's taken him now. All I know is that for like 20 something years, our paths and we like really loved each other and we no doubt still do really love each other. Um, so I just feel really grateful that I had a person like that to kind of guide me to where I am now, you know, very fortunate. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It's, it's kind of like he was uh, your first teacher in that kind of stuff, even after he, he left somewhat. Completely, 100%. And at each time, and I try and read the Bhagavad Gita like every day, each time I pick it up and read it, I still feel like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like I've got my brother kind of guiding me to some extent or at the very least he brought me to a point where he can let go of me and let me kind of just you know do my thing so to speak and certainly like you know going out being in a hospital centered body is like a very significant experience I think a few days before we'd been in the hospital me and him went to a football match and had a really great time we had a beer or we did whatever you know and we were hanging out and then suddenly we're sat in a room with a dead body, which is actually disgusting. And I don't want to hang out with that or be anywhere near it. And in fact, you bury it or burn it as quickly as possible, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So it makes you question. At the time, I didn't question much. But later on, I kind of reflect on that. And I think, well, clearly what I love about my brother is not flesh and blood and hair and teeth and, and things like that. Yeah, that's what animates it. What yeah. animates him? Completely. Um, like you don't see people dragging a dead dog around the park because it's just you know <laughs> it's just disgusting. <laughs> yeah. So like you know it's only the living being that we're interested in, not the dead one. So that was kind of like an interesting thing. So I felt like even then he was like still teaching me, which is quite special, you know. Well, that's that's a pretty heavy lesson, man. I know that for myself, I, I haven't experienced much death in my life, but I had an aunt who committed suicide when I was in, I think I was five or six years old. And uh, but my grandparents on my uh, father's side passed away. And I noticed that a lot of people get like very upset about death. But for me, it's like, I want to celebrate the life of those people, not so much like cling on to it. And like when I go, I want people to have a party and like remember me. I don't want them to feel sad that I'm not there. It's like, yeah, completely, completely. Uh, I, 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 I went to my cousin's funeral a few years later. I mean, it's been like a recurring theme for me. I had a, a school friend of mine passed away. He was the same age as me a few years ago. Um, and my cousin, all within a kind of like a few years of each other. So I kind of, I feel kind of quite fortunate to my own point of view that I'm constantly being reminded of this kind of fact, you know, that, yeah, this is very your material body only takes you so far and gets you so much and you know but I I do remember being at my cousin's funeral and thinking so many people they were at, you know they were just hysterical with grief um I don't know. it's not that we're not allowed to grieve or that we shouldn't grieve um if people have to do that process that's um that's fine but it seems to me that a lot of it is done out of ignorance, you know. Like we just mm-hmm. don't know what's going on and we're scared or, you know, you feel like you've lost something, but you don't really know what it is you've lost, uh, you know. Um, and it's just an unbearable situation. But when something's explained scientifically, if you have a kind of rigorous philosophy, 
that explains this phenomena of life and death, then um, it kind of sucks the, the the power to hurt us out of that situation, you know, and it makes it a lot more manageable. Absolutely, nothing's ever lost. It just changes form, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the form that we cling to. It's that form. If we, if we haven't gotten into underneath the form, then um, losing the form is absolutely magic because we feel like we've lost everything. You mm-hmm. know? But um, for somebody that's in touch with that essence, um, everything's a source of joy. My dad's funeral was brilliant. I loved it. I was, I was so happy because it was like, you know, it was a brilliant time to reflect and like you say, and celebrate um, and, you know, communicate. And it was a community thing. It brought a lot of people together. We were able to share ideas and talk about our experiences. And, you know, um, yeah, so for me, people are entitled to do as they want, obviously, but I don't see funerals and death as being... Of course, you miss a person. You know, that kind of gets you in the heart because there are people that have a good impact on your life and you kind of miss that. But um, I just wish them well, you know. I think, you know, good luck to you. <laughs> you know, if you yeah, can get, get out of it, you know, don't let me hold you back. Yeah, like the Buddhist sense of, of, of uh, the worldview or whatever, it's they've left the circle of suffering, basically. So they're out of that cycle. Totally, totally. And towards the end of people's lives, nine times out of ten, body is giving them so much pain, you know. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it hurts, man. I, really, I was in the hospice with my dad when he was really sick. And I saw loads of men dying, you know. And uh, these were tough men, old men caught in wars. And, you know, they weren't men like us who were just, like, out at parties. And, you know, like, these these guys were fighting fighting world wars and stuff. And they were in agony. It really hurts, you know. Mm-hmm. So you just got to say, you know what, man? Good luck to you. Crack on. You know, <laughs> don't let me stand in your way. Yeah. No, absolutely, man. Yeah, it's, I'm not afraid of like the element of, of being like what comes after death, but I am afraid of going through the pain of dying and being old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah old age is no fun. Old age is no fun. I think if we cultivate a consciousness of understanding everything to be a blessing, like this pain that we're experiencing, it's like, you know, it's like God's way of saying, get out of here, you know? It's like someone tapping you on the shoulder and being like, don't forget that, mm-hmm. uh, don't forget this ain't where it's at, you know? Um, That's so a good point. Practice that consciousness of, you know, all, all of this suffering. Actually, we've brought it upon ourselves um, by our own actions. And it's actually a blessing because it's just a wake up call, like, hey, McFly, you know, sort it out. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a really good way to look at it, man. I got to sharpen my practice up on that. I'm getting up there. I'm only 33, man, but some days I feel so old. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, you know, I'm exactly the same. I think you're crazy. I, I, thought, I thought this was going to happen to me when I was like 60, you know, things that are happening now. I thought, what? Why is this, why is this happening already? I make weird noises when I sit down and I make weird noises when I stand up and, you know, aches <laughs> and God, man, my, anyway, I could go on, I could list so many things, but it's actually a blessing, you know, because so many people go through life and don't, and actually don't have that suffering and they just go through life really ignorant and they think um, that everything's cool, you know, everything's fine, I can earn money and just watch TV 
and hang out and drive my car on the weekends and go and drink beer and everything's cool and I don't have to worry. But actually to have that kind of suffering is actually a real blessing. Not everybody gets that. It's a, it's a real stroke of good fortune because it's a big wake-up call. No, I agree, man. Some of the things I used to think that were the worst thing that happened to me uh, were some of the best. Like, life curb stopped me, but, like, I got some really good things out of it. I should say I let life curb stop me. I shouldn't blame life. <laughs> I participated in a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> um. I feel like you kind of answered like a lot of positive lessons that you learned from some of the difficult situations you had been through. Um, is there any other ones that you want to elaborate on or you want me to go to the next question? I think just one thing, cause I, um, yeah, just one thing as well is like service is really just the most important, the most important thing. And when my dad was really sick, I sort of almost, I don't like talking about these things in a way because a lot of people find it quite morbid. But on the other hand, I, I actually like talking about it because I don't find it morbid at all. Like, I, I kind of don't like to go on too much because, you know, um, I don't want to kind of like heavy people out. But actually, I find it very uplifting. And when my dad was unwell, um, he kind of like, he was very old. He was in his 90s and his health declined very rapidly over like six months um and in that six months I, I got to serve him so I had to like cut his toenails and help to shave his face and I had to take his false teeth out and clean them and, you know all this kind of stuff and do his shopping and cook for him and whatever um and that was easily the best one of the best six months of my whole life actually and definitely the best six months I had with my dad because I I, that's when I really got to know him because I established my proper relationship with him, I felt. And that was that I was his servant, which is actually, if you study any, and not, not you personally, but if we or one studies any philosophy about spirituality, um, it, every single one of us is a servant by nature. We have no choice. We have to render service at all times. And when we're ignorant of that fact, we're living in illusion and we're causing ourselves and other people a lot of pain. Um, so for me, that, that was just a, a massive lesson was service, you know, to actually, to actually get on your knees and serve other people. That's when you really start to relish nice relationships. That's when you really get to know people, when you serve them and serve with them. It's, um, that was a really special time. And that process of serving my dad, I could tell just alleviated me of so much of the suffering of him dying or passing away. Um, because all I have is just blissful memories, you know, I was able to serve him. And mm -hmm. all, just all I have is just very deep realizations by my standards anyway, and just really sweet memories. So I think that's the thing I learned throughout all of that really is that service is just, service is where it's at. It's the hardest thing to do because we're not kind of like wired up like that at the moment. We're kind of in the opposite consciousness, but it's also the most rewarding thing to do for sure no uh, i've switched more to a service mindset that's part of actually my recovery from mental health and addiction and stuff and it's fundamentally changed my life and like being there for other people especially after having been um an incredibly self-centered person a large portion of my life dude putting other people first um a good deal of the time is so liberating and the thing about it that i think i missed for the longest time was that that actually takes care of me too, because these other people are reflections of me. So when I'm serving somebody else, I still get a reward from it. It's not monetary or something. It's part of me is 
is blessed because of it or gets some light because of it or something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It puts us in touch with who we really are, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's a kind of like a, a window into our, our eternal nature. That's a glimpse into reality as far as I understand it so far um, on my path, my journey. Is when we're really just absorbed in selfless service. Um, particularly selfless service is helping people on their spiritual path. There's a special kind of happiness that is reserved for people that um, engage in that kind of activity. You just don't get anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's that's awesome, man. I can relate to that on on a on many levels, brother. Um, this next one's kind of a fun question too. Uh, what songs or bands have lyrics that most resonate with you the most at this moment? You know what? I have to make a confession at this moment. I haven't listened to any popular music for so long. You're not missing anything. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for reassuring me of that. Because sometimes I do wonder to myself, mm, I wonder, you know, like I used to be in a band. I was a musician for years and years. So that was kind of like my thing. Um, there's one guy out there, I, can, I could quote you so many of his lyrics, there's, there's one guy out there um, called Nick Mulvey. He's a very good friend of mine, actually. That isn't why I'm plugging him. That's just a name drop to make myself look cool. But he's, <laughs> he's like a brilliant musician, and he's a really deep guy, very, very deep guy. Um, and I'm kind of like, I love Nick's pieces, but I'm also like insanely jealous of him because he's like really good looking and he's really together. He's one of those people that's like, I run around in, in my life like a headless chicken. Like <laughs> I have phases of being really together and then phases of just being like, you know, just getting smashed and smashed and smashed by life or whatever, you know. Um, but Nick Mulvey is just a brilliantly talented musician. He's dedicated to the craft of his instrument. He plays a guitar and other things. He's dedicated to the craft of songwriting and he's completely consecrated himself to the kind of practice of communicating his spiritual experiences through like music, through like popular music. He's a singer songwriter. Um, and I do feel blessed to know him actually. I don't spend anywhere near enough time with him. But he's a person I'd strongly recommend anybody watching this um, to check out Nick Mulvey. He's absolutely fantastic. I, th I believe he's about to drop his second album. It's imminent. Um, but anything you can find by that guy is just, it's just great. He's a joy. He's one of those people that's just got it. You know, he's a, he's a very powerful guy. He's got a lot of talent and a lot of charisma and aura and presence about him, you know, and just to be around a person like that can be quite uplifting and energizing and inspiring. So yeah, I'm grateful to know him for sure. Yeah, man. Maybe if you want, you can uh, send me a link to some of his stuff. And when I put your links in the description, I'll put, drop that there for him too, if you want. I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, I'll find some of his stuff. There's plenty on YouTube. He's like, yeah, absolutely. Awesome, man. Um, what philosophy, spirituality, or religion or religions do you find most aligned with your understanding? And explain, please explain them as they apply to you. Um, well, I, it's kind of like a, it's, a, it's a tough one to answer in a sense. I mean, one thing that I've learned throughout all of my experiences my whatever you want to call it walking my path my journey 
I went to, like I said, I went to a lot of different churches, like kind of like really far out places, man, like Egyptian Orthodox churches, where they chant psalms in like Arabic and stuff like this. And, you know, I was going to Latin masses and like um, Buddhist retreats and ashrams and all kind of different stuff. Um, the thing that I've learned is there's actually only one religion. It takes different forms, or people might be practicing different aspects of it. But at heart, there's only one religion. There's one reality um, which everybody's trying to approach, whether it's through their own speculation or whether it's through yoga, meditation, philosophy, science. Everybody's trying to perceive this one reality. Um, so really, I, ultimately, there's only one religion. Um, depending on what you want to call it, whether it's God, Allah, Buddha, Krishna, Yahweh, whatever you want to call it, it's finding out that person, finding out who that person is, that consciousness that is kind of uh, creating and sustaining everything and finding out what your relationship is in that whole kind of like um, So for me, that kind of like, I don't like to pigeonhole myself. Mm-hmm. So I get it completely, dude. I'm the, I'm similar in my beliefs where there is no one. There's like many paths to one way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's really easy to kind of sit and say, yeah, I'm this, I'm that, I'm a Christian, and I'm a, I'm a philanthropist, or I'm a communist or something. But it kind of, I th- my fear always is that when you say things like that, which I know I do it um, from time to time, is that you say one thing to people and instantly they know who you are. Mm. yeah they reduce everything about you into this one little shape totally yeah yeah and then it's like and i've had these conversations where i'm having a great conversation and i kind of mention something about myself you know like my background or i don't know it could be anything like political beliefs or whatever and i've just seen their eyes go (laughs) you kind of lose 80 percent of that person at that 80% of them switched off and just started like compartmentalizing you. Um, and I kind of like prefer to keep it kind of like, I don't know, sometimes it helps in a conversation if somebody's struggling to kind of like get to know you or something, you can kind of like just help them out and just say, yeah, I'm this, or I'm that. Um, but definitely the, 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 the philosophy of the Bhagavad Gita, um, which some people call like a Hindu book, but it really just so isn't a Hindu book. It's way, way more than that. The philosophy of the Bhagavad Gita, I'd say, you know, if I had to pick one thing that I that I had to live by or one book or one whatever that, you know, like my kind of desert island philosophy, I'd say the philosophy of the Bhagavad Gita, hands down, because I've read, you know, the Bible, the Tao Te Ching, I've read Buddhist stuff. I've kind of, you know, I can't say I'm a scholar, but I've kind of, you know, made inquiries into all those different paths. Um, and everything that I found in those other paths is contained in the Bhagavad Gita. So I'd say it's the most comprehensive, um, practical guide to life that I've ever come across, really. I have a copy of it. I'll have to give it a, a more thorough look. I've had it and I haven't had a chance to read it yet. But since you speak highly of it, I'll, I'll give it a read, man. Mind-blowing. I've read about six different versions of it. If you get the right version, wow, it's been translated by some people that you know, it's a spiritual book and sometimes it gets translated by people that are into poetry or into history or that are into linguistics or they're into politics. 
and they kind of translate it with their own slant. Yeah. They get one. The best version I found is called Bhagavad Gita as it is. That's the one I have actually. Bad man, then then absolutely a hundred percent, a hundred and eight percent. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, I'd, I'd say delve into the nectar of that book. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. All right, man. I definitely will. Have you ever heard the term um, omnist or omnism as re- in regards to like religious philosophy? I think I saw an Instagram post where someone just wrote it had the that that word and then the definition underneath, which is uh, looking for the tr- a bit of truth in every religion. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That totally that totally resonates with me, and I've I, I've spent a lot of time trying to find that thing which ties everything together. If you see me. Um, I, thought, I always saw like different religions when I was younger as these different strands on a frayed piece of string. And I was always trying to look for that thing that tied that bit of string together. Mm-hmm. I thought there would be a common thread running through this, right? They, why are they all fighting? But they're all saying the same thing. It didn't make sense. Um, so, yeah, so for me, I found that in the Bhagavad Gita, actually. But I absolutely rejoice in reading, you know, Christian books, Buddhist things, um, you know, Taoism. I, I, I just love picking these books up. And Rumi as well has some amazing things to say. Rumi um, definitely has some amazing stuff. Yeah, I mean, there, there are definitely certain things. And it's like, that's the one that resonates the most with you is uh, the Bhagavad Gita or whatever. And that's, that's awesome, man. You know, there's, I don't think there is a wrong book out there. It's a matter of the way that people interpret it and what they, what they project on it themselves or, or if their ability to receive it as it's supposed to be received, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think as well, you know, if people that have their own, our own insecurities or our own lack of faith sometimes causes us to kind of reject things and we're out of fear that we don't understand it or, you know, but actually, you know, it says again in like Vedic literature that someone that's self-realized they can find gold in a dirty place. That even if you go into a puddle of mud, you can still pick out like a gold nugget, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's still valuable, a gold nugget, even if it comes from a dirty place. So you can find a book that has, you know, it may, it may well be full of lots of things which are like a bit, you know, because some people write very speculative books about spirituality, which are, you know, um, they're not always kind of, authorized to make such huge statements i guess but definitely there's i think it's um sectarianism kind of causes us to cling on to like our ideas and push everything else aside it's just another kind of form of egotism you know like my spirituality is right my my spirituality is the correct thing mm-hmm. there has to be a standard i suppose like there has to be an authority that there is one reality you know they can't look uh <laughs> i'm not convinced that there's one reality sometimes i really think that there's multiple realities but there's one general reality people are incapable of conceiving wow wow yeah i don't know if that's true or not that's what i like to tell myself <laughs> i mean for me the thing with the religion that like unifies all of it is they mostly all talk about love and um, self-development and service and appreciation for being alive and for fellow man and for the the abundance that we all actually have that we remove from ourselves by desires essentially 
Yeah, that completely. And like we were saying before, it's so simple that, that you could miss it, you know? And oh, yeah. If you want to see division, then you can find that if you want it. That's, you know, that's there. Um, there's a, a nice saying that man proposes, God disposes. So whatever you want, that's facilitated for you, you know? If you want to see scarcity and you want to see division and you want to see hatred or whatever, then you can manifest or you can have that reality manifested for you if your desire is that way, you know, then, then that, that can happen. But if you want to see common threads like we're talking about, if they're right there, and it's so simple, it really is so, so simple, you know, finding out what is in everybody's best interests and helping people to that end, you know, serving each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people, myself included, but people um, like to make things so much more difficult than it is. They're like searching all ends of the earth and leaving every, like turning over every stone for something. And it's like all the answers are within you. And it's a matter of just digging into yourself. But I think that's the most dangerous territory for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And like we, we, we've all got these egos and the, the sole purpose of this ego is, is to keep us away from spiritual truth, you know? Oh, wow. I never even heard it put that way. That's that's freaking amazing, dude. That's the purpose. I mean, again, if, like in, in the Bhagavad Gita, it says that according to the desire of each living entity, we get different senses. We get certain eyes, nose, ears, mouth in order to kind of facilitate how we want to enjoy the world. And around this kind of misconception that I am the central enjoyer, our whole re kind of like reality is built around this, you know, we kind of construct this reality based around myself as a central enjoyer. And that ego, that identity that has me in that position, the reason it exists is a reciprocation with our desire to enjoy, to, to be the center of everything. That's what that ego is. It's, the key, it's designed to reciprocate with our desire to avoid spirituality, basically. That's, that's a heavy concept, dude. It's like a, a built-in booby trap system to make you have to face what you want the most and be willing to live without it in order to get the actual like gold of life or whatever. Yeah. 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 I like the same booby trap system. That's brilliant. <laughs> well, that's, I'm going to have to sit and think about that for a while. That's, that's profound, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to sit and think about that for a while. That is quite deep, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like the way I never heard ego put that way. Is it like preventing, um, Wow. <laughs> I really enjoyed that a lot, man. Um, oh, sorry. Oh, you're all good, man. What were you going to say? I don't want to cut you off. No, no, I was just going to say it's, um, there's a comedian called Russell Brand. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did an amazing sketch, um, or like in, in, in a stand-up thing that he had. And he, he kind of did his character portraits of English people at an airport. He was going, going on, on holiday. And it, it lasted like 10 minutes. This whole thing went on for ages and he was kind of encountering all these different characters. And he finally gets to his holiday destination um, and he puts his bags down. And then <laughs> I can't say what he said because he swears, but he basically like uh, finally realizes he's gone on holiday with himself. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, 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 it doesn't matter what you do. You can't get away. And the ego is like that, that voice in your head that no matter what you do or what you say, there's this idiot living in your brain that's constantly hectoring you and making you do stupid things. <laughs> um, 
and like until we kind of get detached from that and recognize it for what it is we're totally at the mercy of these ridiculous desires that we've got to like whatever it is when you say it like the idiot living in your brain it sounds like you were reading my diary or something like that (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i've had so many people that have said no you know He's a nightmare to live with. And I've been like, you've lived with me for six months, but I've been living with me for 30 years, you know? Like, <laughs> I like to feel like, you know. Yeah. No, that's, that's real, man. Um, so what do you perceive as your life's purpose? My life purpose, there's, um, I feel like I'm being really deep and I, I should come up with something a bit more lighthearted, but I have to be honest, my life's purpose is to become self-realized is to understand who I am, where I come from or who I come from. Um, and you know, to understand what my relationship is with this, you know, supreme consciousness, supreme person that's, you know, that's like running this show, you know, and what I've discovered as well. And again, I don't want to make myself out to be like an authority. My only authority comes from listening to and trying to repeat what other authorities have said. I don't really have any authority myself independent of that. But my understanding so far is you only become spiritually developed by helping other people become spiritually developed, you know, that those two things are like so tightly interwoven that it's unreal, you know? Um, so my life's purpose really is, is trying to hear and receive spiritual truth and then pass that on. Um, hopefully from a, a point of view of actually having realized it for myself and not, I'm not just speaking theory, but to actually pass on things that I've really realized and it, hopefully in that process, yeah, to become, clearer myself about what's really going on you know mm-hmm. um that's it yeah i think i'm i i really think that's it we're so fortunate to have human body human mind that we can delve into philosophy and all these different things it's a wonderful opportunity that we've all got to sit and have a conversation like this you know mm-hmm. how fortunate is that so i think um for me i'm trying to sort of again to use that word consecrate myself to that purpose um, and simplify internally and externally to kind of make that just more and more of a focus. No, I, I get it, man. Oh, my dog just came up and joined me. Hey. Come on, Ricky, say hello. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get caught up in the cord, Ricky. <laughs> oh, man, what a cool dog. Wow. Yeah, she's awesome. She's a rescue dog. No, that's an awesome purpose, man. Um, there's so much purity in that too. And I think you have to, uh, you teach what you need to learn the most I've heard. And also you can only keep what you have by giving it away. So it like that's, that all plays into itself so well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what do you need to do to feel that you're working towards that goal or life purpose? What do I feel I need to do? I mean, really, for me, I, like, on a note, right now, I feel like I need to, in my life is a little bit out of balance and I'm not really spending enough time um, 
like studying and really trying to get get to grips with these, these kind of deep philosophies that we've got in these books like the Bhagavad Gita and so on. Um, so for me, I mean, generally speaking, it's, a, it's, it's that practice of humility and trying to seek out people who actually realize these truths and to kind of serve and appreciate and love these people and learn from them. Um, for me, that's like a, that's big. That's really, really big. When you kind of detach yourself from that process and try and go it alone or be independent, um, we disempower ourselves so much. So I think for me, that's, um, that's a really big deal. I think to, to spend as much time as possible trying to receive spiritual knowledge from higher authorities, whether that's bona fide teachers or sort of direct from the source or meditating on the heart like that. Yeah. No, that makes total sense, man. I mean, you got to practice this stuff to refine it. Of course. Otherwise yeah. it's not even worth it. I mean, everything worthwhile takes a lot of practice, patience and discipline and dedication, man. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I'm I'm only a few years into it really. I'm I'm like a rookie, you know. Um so I, yeah, I can't claim to know much, but it's such a sweet taste, you know, when you start to have spiritual realizations, it's so it's such a sweet, relishable experience that you do just kind of feel very inspired to to have more and more and more. Mm-hmm. Kind, of, kind of you feel satisfied. Because spiritual re- like nature, your spiritual reality is like that. You're, you know, it's satisfying. After years of being unsatisfied, you finally feel satisfied. And yet, at the same time, that satisfaction is so great that you want more of it. It's a weird feeling, you no? Know? But um, yeah. No, I, I get it, man. Um, for me, I got to find that balance between material and spiritual. Because in some ways, I view it like my spirit bought this ticket into this body to go to like the human amusement park. some of it is material but it's injecting the spiritual and it's like also about being spiritual enough to not get dragged down by the material but being material enough to not get completely lost in the spiritual and like lose my connection it's such a fine balancing act i feel like but that's just me personally but studying is always good man because you gotta you gotta keep learning and progressing forward Oh yeah, completely. And there's like, there's no limit to what we can experience on a spiritual platform, you know, it just gets deeper and deeper. I definitely, I would, I would so strongly recommend the Bank of Ed Gita because what you described to me is like, it, it's exactly what the Bank of Ed Gita deals with. It's that exact thing of how to be in the world, but not of the world. Mm-hmm. So how, how can we act in this material world with the material body? and do all the things that we have to do, like eat and sleep and work and have family, all these things. And at the same time, how can I use those things to elevate my consciousness? Things that are kind of like materialistic, like earning money or having a family or like having a house. Actually, depending on the consciousness we use them in, we can spiritualize those things. That's actually alchemy. Oh, yeah. People in the Middle Ages, they were going to India and these Eastern countries, and they were kind of the Holy Grail or the Fountain of Youth or whatever they were trying to look for. They were looking for a material thing that would enhance their material enjoyment, give them a longer lasting body or whatever. But actually these secrets, they were held and they were hidden in the Sanskrit language. So when they went to the East, 
these guys, they and they were trying to find the secret to alchemy and stuff like this. They couldn't find it because they were looking with the wrong vision. They were looking with materialistic vision. And the secrets of the East are the philosophies that are, that are there in Sanskrit and other languages. Um, and that's what's there in the Bank of Ideas, the secret to how to turn dull matter into complete bliss. No, I get it, man. I've uh, I've studied alchemy. Um, I won't say a lot, but more than uh, the average person or whatever. And I really do think it's like a metaphor for um, a conscious change or whatever, because most of the time I can look out and see everything as pure gold, as pure potential, as like a pure lesson and all that stuff. And it's um, again, it comes from seeing things the wrong way for a long time and like. A, making choices that made me miserable and swimming in mud and <laughs> like living a hectic lifestyle that got me to uh, that sense. There's a, a concept in alchemy called putrefication where things have to spoil and rot essentially and die before they can be um, realized to their actual potential. Oh, wow. And I, yeah, I think that it's like so crucial for that. Have you ever heard of that uh, concept of putrefication? I've heard of that. I mean, I've heard of that kind of principle, but I've never heard it sort of summed up so clearly as, as that. Putrefication, no. I've, I've never heard that. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah, I got that from uh, The Secret Teachings of All Ages by Manly P. Hall. He kind of goes into that. Have you ever heard of that book? No, no, no. Um, Manly. It's esoteric wisdom. It's an interesting read because he kind of breaks down the metaphorical... Um, the metaphors and all sorts of different religions going back from like the beginning of what he conceives as religion. It's, it's fascinating, man. All right, man. I just got a couple more questions for you. Um, If you had to describe your personal philosophy or condense your life experience into a few words, what would they, what would it be? I could describe my personal philosophy. Wow. I think my, my personal philosophy, I guess, and this is a bit of a contradiction, is it's like, it's to really to, to seek out a higher philosophy, you know? I don't trust myself, man. No, I get that too, man. <laughs> you know, I spent so long speculating and convinced I had the answers, convinced I had the right way. Um, and I tried everything. I tried everything. Um, that, everything that I could think of anyway. Um, it didn't get me anywhere. So I think my my philosophy and my experience really is, you know, don't be afraid to, to take guidance from people that are genuinely advanced, you know. And that's a huge responsibility. I think people use spirituality or religion or whatever philosophy they're following they kind of cop out and they want to be a sheep um and it's life's a lot easier when someone else just tells you what to do and you just like don't have to think and just follow right but that isn't really that isn't the most satisfying way the deep realizations come when we actually have an understanding of ourselves so i kind of like don't have a i kind of try and studiously avoid having a personal philosophy um just like a living philosophy is your philosophy, one that keeps expanding and growing. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, my personal philosophy, I guess, is to try and deepen your understanding of the, the big philosophy, yeah. 
No, that's awesome. And I get what you say about like uh, learning from people too. That's something I'm just incorporating into my own life in the past. Like, I don't even want to say year, seven, eight months or so. Um, and it's been so profound for me because I've, I've been one of those people that rebelled against everybody. Nobody could tell me anything because I already knew everything. So it's like, and now it's like, I'm learning how little I do know. And I'm learning how to find people that I think they're not that I think that I, that I per, per, that's what I'm looking for, perceive to know more than me and evaluate the information that they give me and see if it makes practical sense to me. Because like you said, I can't just digest something without knowing the source and knowing the contents of it. Really. I got to know how it applies to everything. Um, who inspires you? Um, my, my spiritual teacher, my, my guru inspires me. Um, like I can't even really fathom who this person is or how fortunate I am to have come into contact with someone that just has such a deep understanding of the purpose of life. Um, like I take it for granted. I'm ungrateful and offensive and like, you know, like I've been given this great gift of having a person in my life who's just totally looking out for my best interest. Um, I take that for granted massively. Like closer to home because I don't always see my teacher all the time. Um, my wife's just a massive, massive inspiration, man. Like, again, I, I genuinely, she, she hates me saying this. She hates me saying it. I genuinely don't feel qualified or like, you know, to be her husband. When we first got together, I tried to convince her to marry somebody else because I thought she could do better, you know. I was like, <laughs> I actually was telling her, you know, I was actually saying to her, like, don't do it, don't do it. Like, I'm sure you can find someone better, man. Don't get involved with me. It's not worth it, you know. Um, but she insisted, so what can I do? And I'm and I'm I'm very glad that she did. Don't get me wrong, very glad that she did. Um, but yeah, she's just like, what can you say? You know, she's sweet. She's humble. She's you know, um, what's the word? She's chaste and loyal, and she's very pure at heart. And she's a, she's a real trooper, you know, because life is tough. Let's be honest, man. Life in this world is tough and she just kind of cracks on and she's not really fazed by much and she's tolerated me for like the last couple of years so that's like a saintly that's a qualification for sainthood i think in itself <laughs> <laughs> the fact that i'm not the fact that i haven't had my throat slit and been buried under the patio outside means like she's a total saint i think um no one's lived with me. apart from my parents no one's lived with me for this long um you know so that that's quite amazing but yeah, she's just like, um, yeah, she's taught me so much, teaches me so much constantly. I, I genuinely wish I could be more like her um, in so many different ways. And it's just, it's a real, a genuine pleasure and a massive privilege to be able to hang out with her and to try and do something to serve her and help her on her path. <laughs> How long are we going to be together? We haven't got a clue. So I'm just trying to make the most of that. No, that's awesome, man. That's very beautiful um the way that you put all, all of that um with regards to both people i'm sure that you should give yourself a little bit more credit than, <laughs> than you do 
Yeah. I've got such a big head. I've got such a big ego. If I give myself even a little credit, it will just go like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, I get that too. Some people like give me a compliment. I'm like, let me deflate that a little yeah. bit. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like deflect it or like I'm skillfully turn it back on you or, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like, you don't, you don't know me that well if you think that I'm doing this. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, well, we're at the end of it, and I normally like to close the show um, with saying something, but as you're the guest, I'll, you have the opportunity to close it in your own words, have the last word or whatever. Um, oh, God. I mean, there's one thing that I'd like to say, but I also would love to hear whatever you have to say as well. Um, so maybe we could both do it all right same time no <laughs> i'll go first so you can have the last word man okay, okay um i just want to thank you manager for taking the time to chat with me uh reaching out and like communicating it's it's been um such an awesome experience to connect with you and then get to do this and uh learn more about you learn some um insight from you and have such like a, a cool conversation about deep and meaningful things to me like i don't get this in my day-to-day life um largely due to location and stuff like that but like i'm just so grateful that you were able to do this i'm grateful that uh we've connected i'm grateful for the work that you do because it i've said this to somebody else before but it's like knowing that there's other people out there although they have their own approach we're doing the same kind of work in, in some capacities and it's so relieving to me to know that i don't <laughs> have to do this alone man because like i felt at one point like i had to do all this by myself and it's like i'm like we are in one of the few professions where we're like competition is a good thing because it's like it's not even competition it's it's collect it's like a collective effort so it's like yeah the more the merrier doing this kind of stuff man (laughs) like yeah yeah big time big time yeah i just appreciate you it's uh it's it's a total pleasure it's like when we first actually or when you first got in touch we'd made like maybe whatever it was five or six instagram posts or something like that it was so early on we were toying with the idea of doing youtube um and doing different things and i just didn't know we've been talking about it for ages i didn't know how it was going to go and we finally decided right let's just start putting stuff out online and see what happens and almost instantly you got in touch. So I think it was through Instagram somehow. And that connection that you made was like, I was saying to him and my wife, I was going, so on my phone, going, look, this guy wanted to do a podcast for him. How cool is this, man? That must mean that we're on the right track, you know? Mm-hmm. People get sent, people get sent into your life, even if it's just for a moment or for a longer relationship or whatever. Um, and if we look with the right eyes, everything is really powerful and full of meaning, you know? And you coming along and, and saying that gave us such a massive yeah. boost. There's people out there that dig what we have to say. Um, and I thought, wow, what a, what a great inspiration and support. You know? It's absolutely fantastic. I'm so grateful to, just to sit here and talk, even if this wasn't being recorded, just to sit here and have this conversation. It's like this opportunity is just massive. You know? So grateful for that. Really, really grateful for that. You know? um, one thing I really wanted to share to, to, to yourself, and one thing I wanted to remind myself of as well, and anybody that might listen to this and watch this, is um, just like a, a 
a kind of genuine, I think the most important culture is a real genuine desire for the truth, you know? And it says, like, I'm not, I don't really consider Christian. I'm, you know, I think Jesus is pretty rocking, man. He's got it, you know, he's got it nailed as far as I can tell. It says, you know, knock and the door will be opened, seeking you shall find. And I totally, I totally understand that. And I think a lot of people settle for second best in spiritual life. Um, and if, if we're genuinely sincere, then we'll be given a path, a philosophy, a practice, or whatever, a teacher, a community, whatever it is that will really answer all of our questions and solve all of our problems. Um, so yeah, for me, that, that's, that's something I try and communicate to people as much as possible. You don't have to listen to what I have to say, you don't have to read the books that I talk to you about, you know, whatever, I'm not complaining. But if we cultivate a real sincere desire to understand the deepest truths of life, that then, you know, that we're, then we're sorted with it. <laughs> That's fine. Don't believe. Don't follow. Do not consume. Do not watch. Largely what I'm talking about here is reclaiming experience. This is what's been taken from us. It's a self-advancing, self-expanding, self-defining process. And it takes no prisoners. The real world isn't a spiritual world, it isn't a material world, it isn't an empty world, it isn't a solid world, it's simply...